Dale and I were talking today about whether we wanted to be a servant or a slave, and so we decided to be both. Well, good, because right. so here, so last week, so the last week, for those of you who are here, we talked about, you know, being a servant, being a slave, we talked about the difference in the wording and how um, our translations can sometimes... I don't say deceive us, but let's just say deceive us <laughs> in choosing to um, use a word that where maybe you know, slave might be better versus servant. But going to what you just said, a slave is always a servant. And in scripture, that's the case. Uh, the word for servant is, um, I don't know if I can say it right, diokama, di. Diokonos, diokonos. That, that's a Greek word for servant. Does deacon um, come from that? Yes, it does. Actually, it does. It actually, <laughs> very good. That's actually where the word deacon comes from, which is one who serves, okay? Um, versus, uh, anybody remember the word for slave? Doulos. 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 All right. And so, a servant... A slave is always a servant, but a servant isn't always a slave. Hmm. That's right. Yeah. And does anybody remember what, what the definition is of a slave that I gave last week? I, I don't know if I would remember it, but does anybody remember? Um, it's about ownership, isn't it? It was about ownership, right. And ownership, what else? Anybody else remember um Yeah, right. So it's someone, a slave is someone whose person and service, so there you got the word service, you can have the openness, someone who's to another. So someone whose person and service belong wholly to another. Kind of like a husband. <laughs> become their property. Don't tell your wife that. Don't, don't let her know that. Sure, <laughs> um, which is why, when you, having said that, though, that is actually the relationship the husband has to his wife because he is the one. He is the one who is called to what for her? What's a husband called to do? The wife is not Serve her. No, he's called to be her slave. You're right. Yeah, I want to say, it doesn't say that, but I'm going to say that in this sense. Because what is the husband called to do for the wife? Supporter. He's a spiritual leader of the family. More. Die. Die. He's what? Die. Come on. No. That's He's called to be God? He is no. called a, a husband. A husband Ephesians. is, yeah, Ephesians, I think it is. A husband um, try to find that. Maybe wants to find that. A husband is um, uh, is it says you know wife be submissive to your husband, right? Sure. Um, and we think, oh yeah, that's great. No. Until you read what a husband is supposed to do. <laughs> okay, which is to die for his wife. You know what a husband is? That's what's left of a man after the nerve has been killed. Yeah, wives. Uh, let's see if this the word is. Yep, here, uh, let's see, is this it? Well, I'll just read this, because it's interesting. Yes, Wives, um, what book are you in, Greg? Um, 
the Bible. I know, but yeah. <laughs> 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 trick question. Uh, a very Ephesians. Nice, a very nice Bible, by the way. Ephesians. Oh, Ephesians, yeah. um, Ephesians five. Okay. Um, so verse twenty-two. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ. So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I love, you know, Jeff and I tease sometimes, you know, the pastor, um, this is where the man stops. He says, well, my wife's supposed to submit to me. Yeah. All right. And he just stops at this verse. It's sort of like Satan. You know, when Satan quotes a psalm to, um, Satan quotes when Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the desert. Um, Satan quotes scripture. Mm. All right. But what he, what he does is he quotes, and I believe it's a psalm. You have to go back and look. But what he doesn't do is continue reading what it says right afterwards, which condemns him. Okay. Um, so, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Mm. How did Christ love the church? All the way. All the way, right. Gave his life, life for it, right? right? And gave himself up for her, the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It might be another place. What's the reference? That's Ephesians 5:22 through 33. There's another place then that I think it actually... I mean, it might be just in the way here where it says that, but I think there's another place, maybe it's Corinthians, where it says, well, to die for her. That's right. Lay your life down for her. Corinthians, huh? Lay your life down for her. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. Was that, is that Corinthians, I think? Yeah. Then, I yeah, okay. The Old Testament quote was from Genesis, Genesis 2.24. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so tonight, um, I want to just, in sort of continuing our theme of slavery for a second, about slave to Christ, or, or holy of, of Christ, I want us to think back, because we're in Isaiah, we're going to be in Isaiah 40 tonight, okay? I hope we'll get there. <laughs> so in Isaiah 40, um, how do you treat your wife, Jason? Um, I try to treat her well. <laughs> I do my best. You do your best? Yeah. Uh-huh. Not good enough? You just missed. It's not good enough. <laughs> you just missed. You missed it. I do it perfect. <laughs> what are you called to do for your wife? I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You're right. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. That's close enough. That's pretty close, yeah. 
We just talked about how we're to lay our lives down for our wives. Yeah. You know. So, okay. Um, <laughs> 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 okay, just in the nick of time, man. Yeah. Um, so, we talked last week about, you know, being a slave and what it meant. We just talked about that a little bit. Um, and <laughs> I talked about, so in, we're in Isaiah 40. I want to start looking at Isaiah 40 tonight. But before we do that, it, um, just sort of considering all of Isaiah, um, what did what did I say last week as to who is the first perfect person, <laughs> the first person who is called a slave or servant in, which is Obed in Hebrew, um, in Isaiah? Who's the first person who is called a servant of God in Isaiah? Last week? It wasn't the Persian guy, Tyrus. No, it, no, it was David. good. That was the second person. David was called a servant. Who's the very first oh, person oh, in Isaiah who is well, called a servant? Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't. Yeah, it's well, the big servant. Is it? Yeah. He's, he is called a servant later in Isaiah yeah. 53. Isaiah himself. Very good. Isaiah himself. Okay. So Isaiah... Think about it, he's the very first one who's actually called by God a servant of God. All right. So I want us to just think for a moment, when you think about what does it mean to be a servant, um, I want us to go back and take a look again at our controlling chapter for all of Isaiah, which is Isaiah 43. No. For all of Isaiah. Oh, oh, sorry. Six. Six. Yeah, six. Okay. So we just turn to Isaiah six. We haven't been there for a little while. And it actually is viewed, this is viewed as really the call that just, that basically is the call of Isaiah that is, goes all the way through. And what we're going to see some tonight is in Isaiah 40, we sort of have that call some, some things around this look similar to this call narrative in Isaiah 6, okay, that we looked at before. But I want, I'll go ahead and read this part here. I want you to think as I read this, how, so Isaiah is called a servant or slave of God. How does Isaiah show himself to be that in Isaiah 6? Okay, does that question make sense? So how is he showing himself? Because if you remember when we opened the whole book of Isaiah, Isaiah isn't, he's not mentioned very often. Okay, in fact, he's not even going to be mentioned by name anymore, okay, in Isaiah. Um, so he's, you know, very, we don't see him talk, he doesn't call attention to himself, rightly so. Part of being a servant, servant right? God, right. Um, but I think the clearest way, the clearest place we see who Isaiah is himself is in Isaiah 6. Okay, and how he's that servant. So I want to just read this. I want, I'll just read it, and then I want you, to, as I'm reading it, think about how is Isaiah showing himself to be a servant in this passage? Okay, what characteristics of that are of them? So it says in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, anybody remember about when that was? Very roughly. When did King Uzziah die? God, really rough. BC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got that one. 
Remember I showed you the little chart thing? I yeah, remember seven. roughly. What? Yeah, go ahead. Seven. Seven. No, you're seven, right. Seven something. Yeah, 743. 700, yeah. Seven, yeah. 783 to 742 was his life. Seven what? 783 to 742. Okay. All right. Yeah, so somewhere in the 700. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, yeah, so we don't obviously really know the date, but somewhere around that time frame. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> yeah. In the king that a king in the year that King Hosea died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each has six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Why don't we all say this together? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I, meaning Isaiah, said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Yahweh Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. As I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go before us? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he says, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land in a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a caravan of an oak, whose stump remains when it is felt. The holy seed is its stump. So the question I'm asking, Peter, is um, in Isaiah 6, you know, we talked about slaves and servants last week. How is Isaiah, who was the first one to call a servant of God, how, what are the characteristics of how Isaiah is showing himself to be that servant of God? in Isaiah 6, that we can all sort of learn from, because it's also how we are to be, too. So what do you see? What do you see that Isaiah is doing? He's obedient. He what? He's obedient. He's obedient. Allegiance. Uh, Obedient, allegiance. He is exercising the three things that God speaks to here. He's seeing with his eyes, he's hearing with his ears, and he's understanding with his heart. That's good. Yeah. He's a witness good. to truth with his eyes. He's seeing what's happening. He's hearing and understanding. Uh-huh. He's yeah. humbling himself accordingly. Okay, so hum- humbling, 
So we're going to write that down. So he's humbling himself. How, so how is Isaiah showing, going to what you said, Bruce, how is Isaiah showing himself to be obedient? So he said he's obedient. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Okay. All right. <laughs> here I am. The understanding right. he's of what, what, what he's there for. Yeah, well, he, so he says, here I am, send me. But he's saying that he's obedient because that is in response to what? Who will go? The question. Right. The question. Who's going to do this? God's looking at him. Yeah. Is Remember Ahaz? Ahaz did not do that when God not spoke me. to him. <laughs> yeah, Ahaz, no. Yeah. It wasn't a command, though. So it was the willingness of Isaiah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was no, like, it was a question. You know, yeah. He's the only one there. Yeah. He's being proactive. <laughs> he was willing. No, but that's good. But he cleansed himself in a way by saying, woe is me, for I am lost. Repentance. He admitted. Oh, okay, did he cleanse himself? Well, he, no, he didn't cleanse himself. Yeah. I mean, he's repenting. Okay. I mean, the seraphim came Excellent. and touched his lips. Very, very good. Operative word. Very good. So... So he's repentant, which means, what does that mean about a servant? A servant is one who sees what? Puts the master first. Who his master is. Sees his fault. Sees his, what we call, what a wretched man I am. Yeah, very Mm -hmm. good. He sees sees the truth of God's nature as well as his own sinful nature. Right. The the other thing that he did here, the seraphim came to him, he took with tongs a hot coal. He saw that. He saw him coming towards him and putting it in his face. And he didn't bob his head or weave or jump away or scream in fear. He received that. That's good. That's good. He received that. Yeah. And the the coal, as far as I'm concerned, that is that is Christ. I think Isaiah is in such awe of God and just Mm -hmm. shaken. And I think God sealed the deal when He said, "Who will I send?" Who will go for us yep. right away? Uh, us and he's going. Send me. You know, it's just like right away. God's including him in the conversation okay. right there. And so you just said something. Where is Isaiah? Would you have you just start with where oh. is Isaiah? So think of being a servant of God. Where is he's Isaiah? in awe of the Lord? Is what? Where I mean. is where? This is physical location. Is, well, oh, yeah, physical where, location in this vision. Yeah, yeah. Where is he? I just. So where is Isaiah? The temple of the Lord. Lord. Okay. And what is the temple? The temple is where? Heaven. Well, what's in the The temple? The The throne. The throne. God. God. (laughs) Yahweh. Yeah. So either way, what we have here is we see a servant as someone who, here, what, first of all, is placing them and is positioning themselves in the presence of God. Yeah. Right. So... Really where is the temple? So where is the temple today? Under uh, the rock. But <laughs> the same place as it was in Isaiah. Exactly. Where is it? Where's that? Is that is that where the temple is? Yes. Yeah. So where? So let me ask this again. Go back to say back in the Old Testament, what? Was a temple. The temple was the place holy, holy. where we, what? God dwelt. Where God dwelt. Yeah. So God dwelt first of all in what before the temple? Tabernacle. The tabernacle. The tabernacle. Yeah. Okay. Then He dwelt in the temple, right? How did we? How did the Israelites know that 
that God's presence was there with them. Smoke. Yeah, smoke, right. A cloud. A cloud, very good, okay. And where was God's presence viewed to be? I mean, we all, I mean, Solomon says, you know, God is everywhere, but God is present, okay, with the people in the temple, in the tabernacle. Where in the tabernacle is God present? Place the, holy holy of holy of the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. Okay. Okay. So the Holy of Holies. Do you want to remember that? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask again, where is the temple of God today? In our hearts. In our hearts. Etched in our Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Hopefully. I mean, who says that? Paul says that, yeah. right? Yeah, Paul. Paul says that today we are the, the temple. I mean, do you understand how huge that is? Yeah. Can you imagine That's the a Jews big looking at going, what? <laughs> <laughs> so Paul's saying the temple is now in you. What is it that's in you? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. which is the presence of God, which was in the tabernacle, right? Which was in the temple. Okay. Which is why the curtain was torn. The yeah. curtain was torn. Yeah. So for God to be present with you, or you be present with God, like Isaiah here, for us today, there's something else that is in the Holy of Holies that makes up the presence of, that makes God fully present. Makes God who He is. Holy the, Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God. So the Holy Spirit we can think of as the presence of God in the tabernacle, in the temple, right? In the Holy of Holies. What is the judgment seat? Judgment seat. Yeah. What else is in there, which is why we're here today? What else is in the Holy of Holies? Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> what is in the Ark of the Covenant? The tablets. Of the? Of the Ten Commandments. Which is the yeah. oh, Word of God. Aaron's staff. Yeah. For one. But the and Word of God, right. The Word of God is in the tabernacle. In the Ark of the Covenant, you have the Word of God. Yeah. That's why we're here today. Sitting on our laps... <laughs> Okay? The presence of the Spirit in us, the Word of God that we're reading, is what makes God present to us. The Word and the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Word and Spirit. I mean, that's why, you know, in Ephesians it says, you know, the, um, um, the armor of God, you know, it's interesting how it says the armor of God, which is the Word and the Spirit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Inseparable. That's why we read this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can sometimes look and go home, just learning about God. But for us today, be in the presence of God. I hear this a lot. We think, oh, the presence of God, let's just all be still, let's be quiet. Okay, that's good. We should listen to God. All right? <laughs> but if you want the full presence of God like Isaiah, it's knowing that Spirit's in us and we have to be listening to the word that's also there. That's how God makes himself known to us today. Be the spirit. Yeah. So that's why a servant of God is going to do that what all of you do. <laughs> we're in that's this. Why we're here. Yeah. 
it's really not about just learning a bunch of stuff, right? It's about being in the presence of God. Yeah, this is like a mirror of God. Exactly. In our life. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I think the word atonement is really important because right. in five six five, he talks about he's a man of unclean lips and he lives among people with unclean lips. Yeah. And so he reflects on himself that he's a sinner. Yes. And if he wants to be a servant, he needs to atone and go through a transition and leave that behind. So I, I think it's a process, and, and all of us go through that same process. And so the atonement of learning about God and then changing our ways, I, I, atonement keeps coming into my mind, but it, it's, he, he reflects first on the fact that he's a sinner before he fully accepts his charge. And so he... But what, where's that atonement? If I thought you guys prepared for me, I'm preaching this Sunday. I'm the subject of sin. <laughs> Actually, literally, my subject of the sermon this Sunday is sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I love how I'm reading the, like, the preaching schedule. I'm going, oh, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. It gives you the tough one. I Why not? But in our passage in First John, we are going to come to the word of atonement yeah. or propitiation. But I want to think about your language. I want to be careful about language. So, where... So, where does the atoning come from? Who atones here? Yeah, because... Because look at, the, look at what it says in Isaiah. So is it Isaiah Christ. atoning? No. Nope. It's Christ. No. He was atoning. Well, yeah, it's ultimately Christ. Ultimately it's Christ. Okay. But so it's not it's not that Isaiah atones for his sins. No. It is God who is the one who makes the atonement. So He's the, the one that brings that. That's the gift. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the reliance... It's, it it can't be done. Uh, right, right. And so you see that happening here. You don't see Isaiah saying, I need atonement, <laughs> so to no. speak, or even asking for it. It is a like a gift, right? He repents, all right? And then through that repentance, that God says, okay, I'm going to come in now and atone. That makes sense? Yeah. It starts with that repentance. Right. Very important. Which right. starts with recognizing who he is before the living God. <laughs> yeah. A man of unclean of unclean lips. So what else do you guys see? Other things that you see as to you said allegiance. Mm-hmm. How do you see allegiance here in Isaiah six? How is He's basically commissioned when he volunteers. So okay. He, yeah, he's commissioned. So he Yeah. That's good. He knows who his commanding officer is. Exactly. Like we talked about that time, right? Exactly. That's the allegiance, right? Yes. He, he knows who's in charge. <laughs> yeah. What else do you guys see? Anything else you see? What's what is the, what's reflected in here of being a servant? There's some more things. A couple things. Just think about what what is 
What's Isaiah doing here that shows that he's a servant of God? He's saying, send me. Okay. Use me. Yeah, very good. He's relinquishing himself. Very good. So he's making himself available to be called by God. And what's he being called by God to do? Bring the message. Right. And what kind of message is it? A message Wake up, guys. No, very well put. A message people don't want to hear. Yeah. And actually the message is that the people can't hear. And the very giving of the message causes them to not hear. Yeah, and he's told yeah. ahead. It's a vicious cycle. Don't, yeah, it is. Don't lose heart, you know, because right. this is going to happen. Right. Yeah. 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 And nobody likes to be the bearer of bad news. No. Uh, especially when you're going to be made very unpopular, as you said, and nobody's going to believe you anyway. Yeah. That all depends on your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as to whether it's what? Well, good news or bad news. Right, very good. Because we could say this is bad news, but Initially. it is not really bad news. In the long run, it's a good news. It's actually in good the long news. Run. It, what, where's the good news in here? Ever remember when we looked at Isaiah 6? What's the good news of Isaiah 6? The holy 6? seed is its stump. Okay, very good. That's the good news. There's the hope of ultimately the Messiah. What else is good news in the message? And look look at Isaiah 6 9. The tenth of the land will still be left. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. The remnant. Better than nothing. But look the, at Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. What's the good news the in Isaiah 6? The promise of being healed. Yeah. If. If. Eternal. Yeah, excellent. So you see right there, there's there's the good news right there. Okay. Greg, um, I got a question. Yeah. You know, uh, at the time he's preaching this, if you will, there was other prophets, too, that were a little more just say, hey, everything's fine. And just, I mean, were there prophets that were going against him at the same time? You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, preachers? I don't know. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if anybody. What? I don't know if there's other prophets saying, like, not real prophets, but sort of fake prophets. Yeah, fake prophets. Like, you know. Oh, sure. False teachers, yeah. if yeah. you will. There's always um, the yes men in the crowd. Yeah. 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 Well, just the like idols us represent the distraction. Yeah. I mean, if they're dialed into an idol, that's a whole. I mean, the word that Isaiah wanted to speak to the and did, they didn't want to hear it. Right. They did right. not want to hear that. Yeah. So I don't know really that I can think of in Kings. You know, Kings and Chronicles gives a lot more detail behind some of the stuff we're reading in Isaiah. Yeah. Which I purposely have thought just for time and we've not come back to look at. I don't know specifically. I know there's other places in Scripture where you have fake prophets. I don't know if in Isaiah's time there's anybody sort of saying as a prophet or claiming to be one? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's a good question. Anybody know? I don't know. Uh, why, so, do you, why do you ask? Well, it's just that Assyria at the time had already t- taken the ten tribes of Israel, right? Oh, uh, well, just about at the time when Assyria is going so... Just, yeah. just before. Yeah, this like Isaiah that we were reading before, okay. but just before we hit Isaiah, like 13 through 39, where that does happen. So he's a good 100 plus years before mm-hmm. Probably the Babylonian. Probably no, yeah. earlier than that. I think he actually, I think it says, if I remember, it was almost like six years or something like that from when Isaiah was preaching to Ahaz yeah. and saying judgment's going to come, and the judgment's first going to come, you know, come unto northern Israel, yeah. um, which is a f- ten tribes. Yeah. Um, 
But I think that was pretty quick. That pretty happened. quick yeah. that that happened. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Just try to get it straight the timeline. Yeah, I try to get Yeah. So, I mean, the ten tribes in northern Israel were was already pretty much way in apostasy, and they were just way far away. And so they, they, it came unto them, that judgment first, first. Um, before it would come unto Judah. Um, and if you remember, God gave a, Isaiah, I mean, God gave a, Ahaz a chance. Ask whatever you want, wish, and it won't happen. And Ahaz says, eh, sorry, i got to take care of it. No yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I can handle it. All right, anything else in here you guys can think about huh. just with what it means to be a servant? How long, oh Lord? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 he uh, he bore his cross. He burned his he burned his ships. He just said, "I'm I'm a guy." And, and because we don't hear about Isaiah anymore, no, right? No. Specifically, yeah. you know that he just completely gave himself to that and just waited mm-hmm. to hear what to say. This is not a short-term commitment. No, he was was in. So what else shows that Isaiah is in actually reflects reflects even that he is like Christ. What, What is it Isaiah says here which ultimately really shows you know, one of the themes in here is servanthood or how to be a leader, okay, of God's people, all right, whether that's in your family, whether that's, in a, you know, in a church, whatever that is, there's a part in here in Isaiah that's really showing this is what it means when I'm placing myself as a servant before God. We talked about, yes, I recognize my own sin. I recognize the sin of my people. Very good. So you see here that, I mean, that is one of the huge hallmarks of truly being a servant of God, is that we're not just taking upon our own sin, but we are taking upon the sin of the people we lead. We're taking upon their their sins. Their, in essence, we're taking upon their sins. If you look at here, it says, For I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. So Isaiah is sort of a substitutionary sacrifice, almost a sacrifice like, I mean, he's saying, I'm representing not just my unclean lips, but I'm here representing all my people of unclean lips. And it takes a a leader, quite a different type of leader, who's Mm -hmm. saying, I am here representing to all of you, not just me, but... Yeah, like Moses. You know, they, right. Exactly. That's the only other one I could think of yeah. besides Isaiah who did that. Yeah. Big Christ. Daniel. Yeah, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Yeah. Daniel. His yeah. prayers. Yeah, that's good. That's, good. Uh, that's offensive to our Western individualism culture. Yeah, it is, isn't I think, it? I think culturally, you know, there was more of a collective for, you know, many other cultures. There was like the, the collective. But well, in, in, in our Western society, we're I, I more, that's, we that's, consider ourselves more individuals. That's yeah. more modern. Western. Yeah, it is. That's modern. very, very modern. That's true. 
Which is very much like someone else we know. What did Christ do? What did Jesus do? Philippians 2. Mm-hmm. He humbled himself to the point of death, yeah, yeah, and yeah. God raised, raised him up. Raised him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a quote in that book that I gave you that says, Earnestly pursuing obedience to one another. No one is to pursue what he judges better for himself, but what he judges better for others instead. Mm. Talk about countercultural. <laughs> yeah. Try that on sometime. Yeah. You know, to put the other person that you're talking to ahead of yourself, and what can I do to right. lift them up and encourage them? And that's that's not. I mean, that's again Philippians. Yeah. Philippians says two. Christ is the one who did exactly that. Mm-hmm. He put us before himself, died on the cross. What are we to do? We're to consider one another above ourselves. And actually the term there is, we're to, con- we're to consider others as of surpassing value to ourselves. The word actually there means surpassing, surpassing value. value. So if I have to look at, I'm oh. to look at Glenn and say, how is he so much of higher value than myself and demonstrate that in my way I love him. Yeah. God yourself. God yeah. yourself and take right. up your cross. So right. Bible yeah. Very kind of counterculture. Get yourself out of the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, not me, me, me. Let's take care of myself. 
I mean, that was my whole mantra for 28 years before I became a Christian was, yeah. you know, what, you know, if I take care of myself, and I seriously, I remember my whole philosophy. I remember telling my girlfriend at the time who I had cheated on. Um, <laughs> okay. yeah. You're forgiven. Yeah, yeah. I I remember, like, the excuse was, you know, well, I know that I'm taking care of myself because you don't really want to be with me right now. I'm taking care of myself, and if I do best to take care of myself, then that's what's also best for you. Yeah. And, and I'm not joking. That was literally my argument. What a rationalization that is. Okay. How'd that work out for you? Yeah. What? How'd that work out for you? Um... Well, so on one hand, on one hand, uh, I lost a girlfriend. Of course. Sort of. But I gained Christ. Oh. Because well, I'm actually here right now because, yeah. because that girl who I said that to ended up being the one that led me to a church for the first time. Well, and ultimately is the one who brought me Christ. Christ. Oh, there you go. Well, Even when we're not boyfriend growing boyfriend girlfriend anymore, and, and let me sort of like, you know, I don't want to use the word because he's got bad words today. Stalk. I wasn't really stalking her, but I mean I was following her because I still was like in love. Okay, and she let that happen. We weren't in a relationship anymore, and I started going to a church for the very first time because she was going there. I thought, oh, I'll sort of follow her, and never been in a church before, and that's what slowly like led me to Christ. So. What about there Plan B, the one you cheated <laughs> with? <laughs> that was a distraction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't stop that. Uh, anyway. Okay. All right. Well, good. Anyway, I just want you guys to think, see that in Isaiah 6, because you just see here how just in this one chapter, what Isaiah is doing is becoming a servant that sort of really talks about how we are to do that. I mean, that's how all of us are to live. And he's, he's reflecting that here in Isaiah 6. Um all right. Isaiah 40. But the next thing yes. is, is, once he gets there, the question is, how do I do it? And the only way is to keep listening to God. Oh, absolutely. Which is what he keeps doing, right? I mean, it's why we have this pretty big book, right? Yeah. It's because he kept doing that. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> All right. Um what I thought we would do, I was trying to think of a different way to doing this, but here's um, here's what I want to do is do something a little different. Um, as we get into Isaiah 40 here, all right, um, and there's some different sections within Isaiah 40. Uh, what I want to do is is as we look at Isaiah 40, 40 just as a, as a first sort of cursory look at it, because in a sense. Isaiah 40 is launching off in a whole new, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. Okay? Isaiah 40 is really launching into a whole new time period, a whole new message to a people. If you remember, the message is now not to people living in Judah who are being threatened by a city, Syria, but he's now talking to the people who have been exiled into Babylon, mm-hmm. wondering, is God ever going to save them? Okay, the same people who had been, you know, not same generations, but the same people who had been exiled into Egypt, will God ever save them? Now it's like they've been exiled into Babylon, and they're wondering, you know, where's God with this foreign rule over them? Okay, are they, is anything, where is he? And this is what, who Isaiah speaks into. So starting in Isaiah 40, 
it is, think of these are the people now in a very different situation. Mm-hmm. They're wondering, is there any hope for them now that they're in a completely foreign country under a foreign rule, will they ever come back to their home? Will they ever come back to not just their home, because for them, they're not just coming home, they're coming to where the temple is. The temple is. Which is where, where God for is. them God is. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I want you to read. So what I want to do is I want to just take, I'm assuming maybe it'll just take five minutes or so for you guys to just read through Isaiah 40 on your own. And as you're reading through here, here's what I want you to do. If you have a pen, if you need a pen, I'll get you a pen. Uh, anybody need a pen? You know what? I do. I didn't bring one today. Please. Yeah. That's true? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Truly a servant of Christ over there. Bro. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So, what I want you to do is, as you're reading through it, is one of the reasons why I gave you, like, this book, right? This ESV journal is, if you have it, I want you to, like, over here in the column over here, as you're reading, here's what I want you to ask yourself. So, you're, we are servants of the living God. We are servants of the same God that Isaiah's talking about here, Right? We have to know who that God is. <laughs> I mean, what's the characteristics of our God? You think about that very often. I mean, what's what's the character of him? What who is he? Would you recognize him if you saw him? <laughs> okay, so to speak. Alright? So I want you to just read Isaiah forty in your own for like five minutes. And I want you to maybe just jot down in here or just underline or something. What are just some characteristics you see of who God is? If someone asks you Who's God? And you just said Isaiah 40. How would you answer that? Who is he? What's his character? What do you see about this God? So it's like, you know, I'm I'm in Babylon, these people, and Isaiah's speaking to them, and they're hearing about who is this God um, that they worship, that they long to come back to um, Judah for. Does that make sense? Everyone... Good with that? Mm-hmm. So just take like five minutes and just read through Isaiah 40. Just again, underline, jot some of those things down as to what, what ways you see God's character and what is that character you see of God as you read this. Alright, so what do you guys see as far as God's character? Well, just right off the bat, the first two verses, uh, um, Comfort. He's tender. Speaks mm. tenderly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sin, sin has been paid for. Good. All right. Uh, yeah. Just in the yeah. first couple of verses. Uh huh. Good. So that makes for a loving God and a forgiving God. Okay, and how do you see that? Where do you see Those that? Those are just the first two that okay. I over here. You know, oh, so, okay, good. He's also so, a God of promises. All right. You know, where the voice crying in the wilderness mm-hmm. is a promise. And the fact that he can level mountains and fill in the plains and make everything smooth, he's all-powerful. Okay, all-powerful. 
Steadfast. Steadfast. But he tends his flock like a shepherd, gathers the lambs in his arms, carries them close to his heart, gently leads those that have young. I wrote down kind of a sequence. First, she gives hope and helps them understand that they're loved and pardoned. Okay, so he's a God. Okay, that's great. He's a God who gives hope. All right. And then he he's forgiving, and then he said, "I will be your shepherd, uh-huh. but I can only be your shepherd through your faith in me." Hmm. And then my my absolute power is what will be rewarded, because <laughs> I, I will guide you. Just on that right now, the word of our God will stand for our own. We've heard probably that passage before. It is interesting to think that, and just going along with this part before about the flesh and about mm-hmm. us, I mean, how many generations have gone by where God's breathed life into them, and yet they've died? How many generations have gone by? But here we are, almost 3,000 years later. So the same problem. <laughs> I don't think I ever thought about that until right now. That contrast between just how many, it's exactly this passage here. You know, the grass that comes and goes, you know, you have new, That's us. new crop, yeah, over and over again, but here we are. <laughs> We're just passing it, through. Yeah. God's word's still here. Yeah, still here. Yeah. That verse was in the bathroom at my house growing up. Oh, really? Yeah, I can still see it on the wall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, uh. Did it have, do you remember, did it have just the word of our God will stand forever? Did it have, like, the grass withers? It was It was the grass withers and the, and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. Uh, yeah. Part of it. Is that on your mirror? It was, uh, my mom had like, uh, I don't know if it was made out of wood or what, you know how to, Like a plaque. Or yeah, kind of like a plaque, just something to hang out. For. It's a good one to keep on the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also think, I just see you artists here, so I also think of this, you know, I can see like a painting of like a field or something, you know, and then try to get the idea artistically of both the grass, but how would you get the idea of, you know, the word of God standing? You know, I'd be here for I'll just yeah, sort of the picture. <laughs> Alright, what else? What else do you guys see as we read through? He creates he's Very spiritual. Good. He creates, yeah, so he creates, right? Okay. He's mighty strong and powerful. Yeah. And he rules. He <laughs> leads. <laughs> I like how you said he rules. <laughs> <laughs> well that's in there. He yeah. Rules. No. Very good. Calms fear. Calms fears. Okay. Increases your strength. Increases your strength. 
if you're weak. Mm. No. And all of us are weak. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. What can I say, Jason? Um, he, uh, throughout all this section of the book, he's, he's got a wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> he's Good just, point. he's like a, he's just a heckler. Too. How do you see that? How do you see it's like a he's sense like, of humor? Because he, ta- he taunts the people. Like, He's, he's constant. You mean that's humor. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. It's like it's a very Jewish kind of sense of humor. He's he's that's how they got their humor from God, right? He's he's like who? So do, what man do I seek for counsel? Right? Yeah. Are you telling me what to do, or is it me doing these things? Come on. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like who, who does these things? But also there, he's. I mean, the thing that I find, and the more I read this, Isaiah in particular, the more it stops becoming words, the more it stops becoming just something, you know, a bunch of stuff in a book, and I want to just read it, and then I read it. It's It becomes, um, it is rhythmic, his, his, his rhythms. The way he communicates, and it and it starts to penetrate. Yeah. And it starts yeah. to penetrate, and then your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the same, I I would. It'd be interesting to see a study on how many actual variances of words are used. His 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 vocabulary list is not super broad. He repeats the same things over and over, over and over, and over and over, in the way he describes over Keeps and over. Simple. Yeah. So so simple that it, it at first blush it looks very difficult to grasp, but after a while it just starts to sink in, and then you realize that he's it's it, this is he's using humor and on one hand, but it is so. Serious. Yeah. This is so serious. People, if you don't get this, you're dead. I think Jason's got a point. It's like I can almost just real quickly to dovetail this God's up there going, You've got to be kidding me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking down I was like laughing almost and saying, Okay, you know, and Take care of business. And, and a little, you've got to have a sense of humor. Yeah, and he's a little fire. He's got some fire. He's a little, he's P.O. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and just, come on, you know. It's like, but at the same time, it's deadly serious. Deadly serious, yeah. That's a good way to I may give you the gift of global warming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, that is good. I always think of God, to me, God's character that most hits me in life is his irony. Right. He just seems very ironic in totally his ironic. way his character works and the way he does his psych. <laughs> like, yeah. But it, and, and what you're seeing is the communication, what I'm seeing anyway, is the communication is done in such a way that he's just constantly moving through that, as we talked about this, but that, that past, present, future. Mm-hmm. Past, present, future. It's constant. So it, again, the more you read it, and the more I read it over and over, the more that, that 
not just the, the, the rhythm in terms of the forgiveness, you know, the, the modalities of communication, right, that we get, right, but then that time frame that he's moving in and out of, too. It's like this overlapping wavelength, right, that's going like this, where it's like, I need you to understand that. I need you to be in it, because now that's the way you enter the kingdom, right? So the prophetic language, like 9 through uh, to 12, I mean, that's that's all Christ yeah. prophecy right there, straight, straightforward. The, the section uh, 3 through 5, I mean, that's John the Baptist used that, but that's right. also, I could apply that to me very directly. That's the human being right there in a, in a nutshell. What the promise is, you know, is an individual. As well as what very much sounds like a Revelations kind of a uh-huh. situation. Yeah. I like the word everlasting. Mm-hmm. Everlasting, okay. Uh, everything that was, everything that is, and everything that will be. I want to be a part of it. Yeah, sort of like what Jason just talked exactly. about, so the past, present, future. Yeah, yeah. everlasting. Some of this reminds me of uh, Job, mm. when he tells Job to sit down and take a look at my head. And explains <laughs> to him who he is. Uh, uh, you know, very yeah. direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of this is reminiscent of Job's story. Yeah. Anybody else? One of the things you see. I think verse 11 where he said, and it's already been said, I think, but he will tend his flock like a shepherd, and he will gather his lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. And God really cares for us. And yeah. He loves us and he cares for us. Like a shepherd and a sheep. One of the things that I've noticed is a pattern through here and um, through this whole book. There's there's a, a tremendous amount of, of God uses the terminology of His arm, His hand, yeah. our hands, good. right? Uh-huh. And which ones? Okay. So He's mighty hand. He's referencing as you get into some of these further. It's it's pretty clear that. His right arm and his right hand is Christ. And that we, if we're in it, have our our right hand in Christ's hand. Which is to say, we aren't doing anything. If we truly rely, it's not our hand doing the work. It's the power of might of his. That's right. And, and that's some language. If you look through here, you'll see references to hand, arms, all, all the way through it. Yeah. It's specific. That stuff is a reference to power. power so, yeah. so back then, they would you know, build statues or whatever. When you say, my hand is outstretched, like my strong right arm, that's yep. a reference to power. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. In the ancient Near East, when they would say that, people knew that that's like... It still thing. means that. We shake hands with the right hand. Why does Christ sit at the right hand of the throne of God? Right? All those things. It's a, you, 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 you shake hands with your right hand. You know why? Because to, to make sure that 
somebody knows you don't have a gun in your hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that. In, in, in the West, they would say... That's interesting that might be true. I don't know. No, no, it is. It's a cross-handed, too. No, that's exactly right. Well, uh, it's, yeah. a sim- it's a symbol of, sub- of submission, of, of mutual uh, submission, of power. I'll show you my hand, you show me yours. That's yeah. right. Uh, I thought so we could find out who's left-handed. That's right. That's the word righteous. Righteous. But that's the that's the, the origin uh, of that, and that all comes back to this you, you, exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. not our power. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, I think. yeah. Anyone else? Anybody else see? Let's see. Sort of good, just sort of go through. You just read as you read. I like how you said, Jesus. You just get in. You just keep reading it over and over. You see so much. Just this one chapter. Of Isaiah 40, Wait, of so just how much of who God is. Mm-hmm. Take him seriously. He's like, I'm going to come. What'd you say? Wait till you get to 41. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we already looked at 41 a little bit. Um, and we will look at it more. But it's just, again, it's just like so full of oh, God amazing. revealing who he is. Um, yeah. It is. It's like, I'm the one that's going to come to you, but don't mess around with me. Don't mess around, but then the promise. Look how strong that promise. I always think of John when I read this. Which way are you reading? 31. 30 they, oh, verse? But they who wait for the Lord shall I oh. renew their strength. <clears throat> and, and I love the I. I I've, I've, been, I've been counting the amount of times I and I am. The amount of times So where are you seeing I in here? What are you reading? I don't see I. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. The Lord shall renew. Yeah. Sorry. But, I apologize. But I have been counting the I's and the I am's mm-hmm. and the references to God declaring who he is. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just, it's like... Well, remember that his name is what? Yahweh. Yes. Which means I am who I am. Right. I mean, actually what the name means. So it's just... And the word, the Lord in the Yahweh version. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah. So it's like, you can't mistake... Who you're talking to here, no. right? Good. For they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. Mm-hmm. That's what you think of John. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Yeah. You know, I would change one word in that one. <laughs> there we go. The word of God stands forever until... But, well, there's different interpretations, as yeah. we know. But those who wait for the Lord, rather, how about they who wait on the Lord? Mm. You know, if you're, no, say you're a waiter, and you got customers, are you going to just, well, I'll just wait around, and if they really want me, they'll call me. Huh. Being a waiter, you would wait go, go to the Lord, huh. and what can I do for you? What can, well, how can my yeah. will be coincide with your will? And that might way. be a Hebrew word there. I don't even have to look at it. It could maybe have that connotation to a four on. They're pretty close. Words Wait on four. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. What's your, CS, what your CSB say on that it, one? Yeah, good idea. I'm just wondering if it has anything different there. NIV says hope, but those who hope in the Lord will read Oh, it. really? Yeah. So it says, like, say it again? It says what? NIV says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strengths. Well, that's that's different. quite different. And this yeah. one, but those uh-huh. who trust in the Lord will uh-huh. renew their strengths. Wow. And they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's 
pretty sort of fascinating. Some pretty great to get all these differences there. It's awesome of the of the two. Yeah. So yours said hope in in. The Lord. So there's yeah, okay hope okay. And my first thought was on the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> in on like Lord. a like a waiter. Yeah. Maybe that's way off. I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting little thing. I don't, I don't, I don't take that as even in this as like wait for the Lord. Like yeah. you're, you're just hanging, out, you're doing whatever, waiting for the Lord. Hey, come on, man, you're late, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's like you're, you're, you're not taking action upon yourself. You're, you're, you're in it with. That's God. why I like this translation where it says wait in the Lord. That means the Lord Christ is in you. You're in Him. And it's more of a, a relationship. It, to me, it strikes it as more of a relationship. Like waiting for the Lord, it's almost like, okay, I'm ready, God, come on. You know, like one of those, I guess. I, I don't know. I think waiting in the Lord meaning that you're, you've got that relationship, you're in the Lord. And the Lord is in you. That's what's sort of good about reading. I mean, um, Bill and I were talking about this the other day. But just having multiple translations. He has a number of different translations of the Bible. They can just sort of lay out. That's just sort of nice about having it. You just sort of see the differences a little bit. And they're all trying to be faithful, you know, to what it's saying. Um, but you can see sort of the different nuances. Well, it's kind of like what we're doing out. here, Greg. It's like we get stuck on, I don't know how long, about a year and a half, two years probably in Isaiah here, which is great because there's so much in just a few <laughs> yeah. words and you start talking about it and it's called you know diving in a little deeper right now. well what gets yeah. what Jason was saying what's the point of all this to get that word in yeah, you right exactly it just gets it in you so yeah, yeah. all right good yeah, anybody I love the else fact that he's understanding and gives oh. power to the faint mm. I never yeah. thought about that before that's a good description and uh, he who has no might, he increases. Which one? Where are you reading that? that That's in 29. 29. Hmm. He's the creator. Oh, he gets power to Everlasting the creator. Yeah. There in 38, 28, 29. Yeah. He does not, the faint or grow weary, his understanding. The, uh, you know, what I always find interesting is sort of like the end. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, irony is the right word, but the idea of. Oh, his understanding is unsearchable. We cannot know God. Well, on one hand, correct, we cannot fully know God. But on the other hand, look how much he reveals in just this one chapter. So we understand him. Mm-hmm. I mean, on one hand, he's saying his understanding is unsearchable. On the other hand, other hand, he's saying, I want you to know who I am. And he really goes at a great length here to say, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is my character. Mm-hmm. I want you to get that. Because you're going to live based on that, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Acts 29, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Yeah. So he's for the underdog. Right. But don't we? I mean, God, this is so encouraging. Sometimes you just go like, oh, I can't. I just can't get through another day. Yeah. I'm just done. I'm done. Yeah. And God comes along and says, oh. Here, here's my power. That's right. Yeah. Take yeah. 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 Yeah.
why is it continuing to go through the same iteration over and over and over again and just make subtle modifications and then continue to allude to this and eventually just start talking about the new, the new deal, right? The yeah. new thing, but the new deal, yeah. the, the, the new deal, but it, no, and, and, <laughs> and like yeah. where he says in twenty-seven, why do you say, oh, Jacob, when speak of Israel, why my way is hidden from the Lord? Like he's just like, oh, you, you you're whining this, mm-hmm. and then, but then if you jump back to twenty-one, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Okay? Yeah. So, and again, why are you guys in this trouble? Why are you cycling through this? Right? Because your father sinned. The first, your first father. Adam. Yes. Yeah. And he speaks to that later. But, but it is interesting. It's like, so... You're, you're, he's, it's kind of, it's so, it's for me, it's sort of like, okay, I gotta get my head around that a little bit more because it's like, you're making it clear that you're, you're, you're doing this for, because you love us and because you care. It's for your sake because you love us. Mm-hmm. Yet, you're also reminding us that you're screwed from the beginning. So this is all going to happen. So why are you why are you whining about it? A, you just haven't known me. You haven't you haven't. It's almost like is he saying like you haven't really taken that leap. You haven't taken that step, like Abraham did, mm-hmm. like Isaiah did. Yeah, not at all. Right. Yeah. And we spend you, our whole lives learning to take that step. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So. This should not be a surprise to you that this is going on and that I'm saying these things to you. All right, well, good, guys. I just thought it would be an interesting thing to do, just walk through Isaiah and sort of get a idea there. Um, next week, we will finish off 40. I want to look at some other things in 40. One thing to think about, don't answer this right now, is if you want to this week, Read 40, particularly 1 through, well, let's say 1 through like 11. But particularly in these first, this first page of Isaiah of, of 40, think about who's talking. Mm. Just consider that. So who's, who's, um, who's talking here? You know, comfort, comfort my people. Who's saying that? A voice cries. Who's the voice? A voice cries and says, I mean, and I said, who's I? I mean, just, anyway, just sort of ponder that, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. as to who is it that is the voice here uh, that's speaking, okay. Um, all right. Uh, any volunteers to close this up Yeah. Heavenly Father, God, we just... Thank you for this time in our week where we get to come together as men, read your word, wrestle with it. Uh, We thank you that we are learning the book of Isaiah. Uh, We pray that you would bless us, open our ears, open our eyes and our culture today on how we might be good servants of you. Help us to live our lives wherever we're at. 
uh, invade our hearts. And thank you for all of your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.